Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. Just a message here before the new episode to say thank you. Our fourth episode, which is Faithful Unto Death. Dun, dun, dun. Before we start this week's episode, we're really excited to share some of the awesome messages that people have left about the podcast. We're glad you enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. They come from all sorts of social media accounts, and we'll start with Facebook. Carrie Mason says, loving it. I have found my people. So have we. (laughs) These are our people. These are our people. Emily Foster, also on Facebook, says, I'm a part of the Midsummer Murders group on Reddit, and one of the contributors just announced that they're starting an episode-by-episode podcast, something I never listened to, but I've now created a Spotify account specifically for this. You know, I gotta say, I've I've heard that people are creating Spotify accounts just for this podcast, and that's nutsy bobo. Spotify should be paying us. I think Spotify should. Suze on Twitter, who is at PewDieAddict17, says, Just finished listening to the podcast. I loved it. All caps. I'm from the UK and a huge fan of Midsummer Murders, and I've been waiting so long for someone to do a Midsummer podcast. So were we, and that's why we decided to just do it. Exactly. (laughs) At little sister Lee on Twitter said, it makes me want to comment along as I listen. Living in the UK proved that places like Midsummer totally exist and some have weird habits and people. Excellent. <laughs> Over on Instagram, Balik says, I'm only 11 minutes into this podcast and I love it already. We love you already. Yes, we do. Christina Hanner says, so I'm not even through all the way through episode the episode yet. And I've come to tell you how much I'm loving it. I don't know anyone who watches Midsummer Murders, much less adores it like I do. Lifelong fan of all or any murder shows that are British. And Midsummer is my favorite. So your podcast is like listening to friends. I wish I had to discuss the show with me. That's how we felt for the longest time. <laughs> that's how we thought we should make the podcast. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that's going to limit how many listeners we have because all of our listeners are people who love Midsummer, but don't know anybody else who loves Midsummer, so they can't recommend it to their friends. (laughs) On Reddit, Beverly Cleverly has said, really enjoying the first half of the podcast, going to listen to the rest on the way home into traffic with all the constables on the freeway. (laughs) Gang Gang on Reddit says, my family give me so much good-natured stick for loving Midsummer Murders. I felt like I have found some allies. Love the concept. Looking forward to the next episode. Tiamata says, I'm about 20 minutes in the episode and already love it. I keep yelling yes as I listen during my commute to work in the morning. So good. And Recrowin? Recrowin? Yeah. yeah. Over on Reddit. Says, OMFG, wife and I are stoked. And Sorsha... 4564 says, seriously, I just signed up for Spotify specifically so I could listen to this. That's so awesome. We also got audio from Brandon in Texas who says this. And I love the episodes. I hope you keep them coming. And uh, again, yeah, Mark, Sarah, I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to the next episode. So once again, we just want to say thank you to everybody for listening and commenting. It makes all so awesome to be part of this community and part of a bunch of people who felt like they were alone and had no one to talk to about this show when we're all together now talking about it. We're excited that you're excited, and there's lots to talk about for each and every episode of the show. And so we hope you'll go to Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, See the show notes, 
Leave us a comment. Answer some of the questions we pose, like who should play Troy's wife if he was married in the show, and lots of other controversial topics about camshafts versus crankshafts and all kinds of other fun things. We hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. And now on to episode four, Faithful Unto Death. Enjoy. Hey, Midsummer Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. We are back with you this week to discuss Faithful Unto Death, episode three in season one. Yes. And just as a reminder, our disclaimer at the start of the show, if you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast, but if the show is too much for your kids, the podcast will be too much for your kids. You know what's too much for your kids? Simone's horrible clothes in this episode. Simone's horrible clothes and the corner of lesbian love pictures. <laughs> they're just they're just in bad taste. <laughs> the, I, lesbian uh, love is all good and fine, but those pictures are in bad taste. It has nothing to do with the fact they're lesbians. Nope. And everything to, to do with the bad glamour shot photography. Uh, I'm Sarah. And I'm Mark. And we're glad to have you back for this discussion of an episode in which we wait 44 and a half minutes for the first death. And speaking of waiting, the waiting is finally over because this, uh, when we're recording this, is actually the day the first podcast is released. So we're very excited about that. And we've already got some very excellent, supportive, and very lovely comments. Thank you already. And We will go through them in the next episode for sure. You know, I thought from the very beginning that we would have peeps out there. The people who have seen these episodes as often as we have and who also bandy around little inside jokes that only Midsummer fans would get. Like, it's not a flower, it's an orchid. And I'm so glad that some folks are recognizing that and they're also in on the jokes. We definitely have some peeps. So it's this, not just us. This Yay. episode was filmed in October 97 and broadcast uh, the 22nd of April 1998, a whole month after the first two episodes. So there's a year, there's the pilot, then a year, and then two episodes back to back on weeks. And then they have to wait another month to get the next episode. I don't know about you guys, but when we get new Midsummers, we're like, we should portion these out yeah so when they come out on acorn or Britbox, we're like "Ooh, there's a new season we're just gonna watch like one a night yeah and then seven hours later we've watched them all it's one in the morning and we're like gorged little piggies on the couch having watched all of them yes Because we can't control ourselves. (laughs) This is also a Carolyn Graham book. Uh, It's the fifth book in the Barnaby series. Actually called Faithful Unto Death, which is a reference to Revelations 2.10, which I hadn't read. But once I looked it up, I realized how appropriate it was for the end of the episode. Here's a quote. Does it never end? Because the ending of the episode ends like four times. I know. Here's the quote, a little Bible reading for us. Um, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days, which doesn't seem like a very long prison sentence. I could probably do ten days in prison. Uh, Even even angry lesbian prison. (laughs) Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. 
So it's that whole idea of, you know, stick it out and there will be a reward for you. The which, whole 10 days. Yeah, you got you got to stick it out the whole 10 days. We we need some orange is the new black pleather raincoat references. <laughs> <laughs> which, so these references, uh, we forgot to mention, hopefully you'll get because you've recently watched this episode. If you haven't seen it in a long time, we hope you'll give it a watch before you listen um, so that you'll be able to follow along with us. It stars a stunningly young Roger Allen. Mm-hmm. Which you might recognize from Endeavor. And Morse. And Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> and, you know, all of those properties. Plus, he's been in a lot of other things. Was He was he in... He plays Prothero in... Um, V for Vendetta, I think one of his best roles. Yeah, I agree. Because he's completely naked in it. He was not in Game of Thrones, right? Yes, he was. He was. He was the guy who uh, took the Targaryen children across the sea. That's right. He's the one who gives Daenerys the eggs. He is the the guy who has the eggs. Yes. He could use some eggs here. He he needs something. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he's so young in his mom jeans and button-up shirts. So this episode was directed by Baz Taylor, which is his first time directing for Midsummer, mm-hmm. and written by Douglas Watkinson, which is also the first time. I think they realized that a television show is a lot of work. They're really producing four movies. Yeah, because they're 90-minute episodes, right? Or 75-minute episodes. And so this is the second team. Not to say it's the B team. No. um, But it is the second team. And one thing before we go on, we will be talking about lesbians in this episode. And we by no means are disparaging lesbianism or lesbians. We absolutely support whatever life choices you make and absolutely think it's fantastic. But these particular lesbians are problematic. They're they're not the best representation. Though I will say that in these first few episodes, Troy gets an education in alternative lifestyles. He certainly does. And Barnaby. incestuous bonking to lesbian (laughs) photography. Don't forget the the bookstore gays. Yes. Yeah. The bookstore homosexuals. He, He gets all of his homophobia and weirdness. Exposed, right? He does. Yeah. Absolutely. But Barnaby is thoroughly modern. Absolutely. In fact, at one point in this episode, he goes over to one of the characters' houses and because he goes alone because Troy really is too thoroughly male. He's too thoroughly male. So Barnaby says you can't choose who you love. No, not at all. Nobody can choose I love you. Oh, um, the village in this episode is Morton Fendel, which is breaking the tradition of Midsummer Blank. Yeah. Uh, we have our first pub. And our first fet. Yes. And we actually have information about the location of the filming of this episode. It was filmed in a, in a place called Little Marlowe's. Oh. Little Marlowe, which is... Little Marlowe lies three miles northeast of its bigger brother, Marlowe, (laughs) and comes complete with a small village green, 14th century church and manor house and two public houses, the King's Head and the the Queen's Queen's Head. Head. Little Marlowe became Morton Fendel in Faithful Unto Death with several cottages and 16th century Queen's Head pub uh, exterior as well as interior 
and the Village Church of St. John the Baptist all featuring prominently. Tell us what book you're reading This from is there. from the Midsummer Murders on Location book, fully illustrated, indexed, and with location maps by Sabine Schreiner and Joan Street. And it's a really useful book. If, if you're a maniac for Midsummer like we are, it's, it's handy. My favorite fet line, I've got a coconut and you haven't. Yes. <laughs> so for our American listeners who don't know what a fet is, it's a village carnival. Hey, anybody who watches Midsummer knows exactly what a fet is. <laughs> and they Bar- know it's a place you go if you want to die. Bar- Barnaby wins this coconut from George. And then when Joyce comes up and her hair... Mm, which fresh, looks sort of like the coconut. Fresh out of a Duran Duran video. <laughs> Joyce totally ogles his coconut. Ooh, he's never won anything before. No. The FET, though, gives us an opportunity to meet most of the main characters. So the Andersons, who are the pub keepers, offer the Barnabies. Only people dressed in Ren Fair clothing and speaking in Ren Fair speech. No one else is. Yeah, I'm not really sure why, but Cully's not impressed with their. A burger of the, no, it's a dog of the hut variety. Dog of the hut gadzooks, she okay, says. Yeah, Kelly says gadzooks. Um, we also get Alfreda Moff, Malfree and her husband Bunny, who's my favorite. Who is a mutton dressed as lamb. Yeah. Which is the very first time I heard this phrase. Now, this phrase means an older lady who dresses as a younger person. But that does not describe... Elfira, Elfrida. Elfrida. No, no, that describes Mrs. Anderson later with her leopard skin miniskirt. And lack of undergarments. Mm-hmm. It must be cold in Gray's house. Yeah, and in the pub and everywhere else you see Mrs. Anderson. That was weird that it, they used that and centered on it, and it's not really a good example. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because Bunny and Elfrida are awesome. Podheads. <laughs> The bunny cakes. So we see them. We see George and Kath, his wife. Yes. So we're introduced to Kath, who play the same actress plays Kath in a number of episodes. Mm-hmm. But she's, she's recurring. She's a recurring character. Yep. And we get Reg and his wife Felicity and their daughter Brenda. Buckley's. Oh boy, Brenda. Brenda. We'll and come her, back to Brenda. She has lovely pink eyeglasses that match her lip gloss. And not her permanent. Oh, that perm is so bad. But she gets the bad hair naturally. She does. Reg might have the worst hair in any Midsummer episode. Is is fantastically failing and being a comb over. Yeah, it's like a comb forward. Sort of. Kind of like tentacles wrapped, greasy tentacles wrapped around his forehead. The, The worst hair, maybe. And we'll have to, maybe we'll have to like do a a wrap up episode at the year end. The worst hair, I think, in Midsummer on a man is the episode where Jones goes to the cult pretending to be a tech billionaire. And there's the guy who thinks he's going to sleep with everybody. Oh, his hair is bad. Right. That guy's hair is bad. We'll get to that one. We're also introduced to Gray Patterson. Sly. Oh, did I say that? Sorry. And Alan uh, Hollingsworth. Mm -hmm. Idiot. Yeah, and his wife, Simone. 
who is supposed to be some kind of sex goddess or something. So, I, I'm not impressed with her. I don't want to go through everything, but why does Simone say hello to George in such a come hither provocative way? And Barnaby and George have this weird conversation about it. Yeah. Hello, George. Who's that? That's Simone Hollingsworth. Ooh, she's too exotic for this village. I don't know. Exotic, i.e. lesbian. Kind of. With pleather. We'll come back to that. Gray Patterson confronts Alan about the mill. The mill project. The mill we never see. No. No. Morton Mill, which supposedly is a project that is to renovate an old mill in town and turn it into like a craft center. I'm assuming where people, artisans, local artisans like Sarah, the potter. um, And photographer. And photographer. Oh, the photography. um, Will be able to perform their crafts and sell their wares. But the project is off the rails. Everybody's um, invested. All of these folks who we've just talked about have all including the Bullards. Yeah, George and Kath have also invested, and the project's down the tank and bankrupt, and it's all Alan's fault. And he blames the following: inefficiency, an unhelpful bank, and a project manager. And the wrong project manager. You know what they need? (laughs) They need George Clark. They need Restoration Man. (laughs) If you. So everybody in England is now laughing, and everybody in America is like, like what is Restoration Man? What? Restoration Man is literally a guy who parachutes in on restoration projects to get it moving efficiently, to help with the bank, and to be basically a project manager. Well, he gives advice for people who are restoring usually listed buildings that are not your typical residents. So things like windmills and power plants and water towers in the UK. So most of them are listed by the historic trust. So you can only restore them in certain ways and you have to get council and um, board permission for all the changes you want to make. And if you want to do something that they don't approve of, it doesn't really matter what you want. And But George Clark, he's a real guy. He's a great architect. He sort of swoops in. Restoration man. (laughs) He doesn't wear a cape, but he understands how those things go. Yeah. Um, And they have restored a few mills on that show. And this mill is in serious need of restoration. Apparently, though we never see it. Though we never see it. Yeah. But it's not uncommon for a project like that to be held up in the planning with a local council or a historical society. And they they hold it up and they delay it because they have their own concerns about the plan. So this is a known plot point. They're not stretching it here. No, no. At some point in time later, and we'll go into how this episode again has days that are all screwed up. At some point in time later, the Barnabys are over at the Bullards. And Kath and George tell the Barnabys about the project. Kath says that Gray Patterson attempted to bribe her. And threatened her. And threatened her. And George, who is a coroner with the police. Uh, Probably an officer of the court. Just drops it like, oh yeah, they threatened Kath. Like if Barnaby was my friend and I got threatened, I'd be calling Barnaby. You'd be blip, 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 blip. 
Hello. Hey, Barnaby. Hey, Tom. I'm your friend. You believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they find out that um, there's some nefarious stuff going on. Now, the the whole plot here, right? Nobody's died yet. There's no cold opening with a body. Nope. Right no. now, the only crime we have is one that Barnaby sort of sniffs out because he breaks up a fight at the FET. Had he not been in the tea tent to break up that fight, the rest of this episode doesn't happen. I can see that. Because the only reason that they even get as deep into the crime as they do is because Barnaby is really freaking nosy. And I think Brenda wouldn't get killed because Troy wouldn't be in her house. Right. So really, because they went to the FET, and this is a common thing in this show, death occurred. Yeah. I mean, people get shot at FETs. They get bow and arrows. They Young get an Sherlock arrow in the back. gets shot right with a bow and arrow. Yeah. He's not the only one who gets shot with an arrow at a No, uh, the drama teacher yeah, gets shot Yeah, the actor with in a later episode. We've got this crime that eh, maybe or maybe isn't a crime. Alan maybe is embezzling money. Gray definitely made a threat to Kath. Barnaby goes all manly copper on him. So Barnaby and, Barnaby and Troy head off to Gray Patterson's. Who... Okay. Mrs. Anderson is there. Mrs. Anderson and her lack of clothing is there. And the door is wide open. Yeah, what's up with that? So we're we're to assume that they were upstairs with the hanky-panky and they just left the front door open? Shut the front door. <laughs> if you're going to be sleeping with somebody else's wife, yeah, at least shut the front door. So he threatened, uh, they go over uh, the threat with Gray, who's like, oh, I didn't threaten her at all. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. And that has the great line, the great line that Barnaby delivers. Kath is a friend of mine. You're not. I believe her. Mm, I'd hate for something to happen to your face. And then Barnaby repeats the threat to him. Yeah. So Gray's been warned off, but who knows? I don't think he really cares. He doesn't seem to care about anything, really. He gets his own way all the time. Gray Patterson cares about two things, and they're women. That's what he cares about. That's one thing. That's it. Women and women. Uh, money. Money. I think he likes money. Wherever he gets his money. Yeah. But we'll cover that. <laughs> Off they go to Alan's house and they find him rat arsed. Rat arsed. And so he's drunk. He's passed out on the floor, but he's passed out in such a weird spot. Like in the corner. Like he got up to get some more alcohol and then fell in the corner. His head's kind of behind a chair. Like, wouldn't you just lay down on the couch and pass out? I guess. Not when you're rat arsed. Apparently when you're rat arsed, you wedge your head in the corner. I have a question, though. (laughs) Where is his wife? And the answer is, as mentioned previously, bell ringing. Yeah, which is another dangerous thing. Though she's not really there. No. No. Then we get to to go to... um, we get to see Alfreda and Bunny, who they are fearless eavesdroppers. I love that about them. So we have to talk about these houses because the way they're situated, they're like on a little close, like they're on a little kind of a, not a roundabout, but a little circular drive. Like a cul-de-sac. Like a cul-de-sac, yeah. They're all freestanding. Giant. They're not semi-detached or anything. They're freestanding brick homes, at least two stories. With beautiful old leaded windows. They're like Tudor. Yeah. Reg, into, and, Reg and Felicity definitely live in a Tudor home. I would say into 
the upper hundreds of thousands. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if the real estate prices in the UK shows that we've watched are any indication, these are million dollar homes. Now, Elfrida and Bunny, I can understand. She was in the movies. Well, and they're selling drugs every day. They've got a steady income plus their pensions, right? But Gray's got no job. Sarah is a potter. Yeah, and Reg is unemployed. Reg is unemployed, and his wife doesn't have a job. The Tesco fired him. Yeah, for embezzling. Brenda's the only one with a job. Well, no, they're the Andersons. They, they, they have a pub. They work at the pub, they, right? Though they're never there. You notice that? No, because they're Who's too running the pub? Busy philandering around. The dog? is Maybe one of Reg's eyes runs the pub while okay. the other one is okay. out about town. We have to be nice. Sorry. Okay, because... <laughs> The actor who plays Reg, what is his name? His name is Paul Brook. Paul Brook is... And he's a great actor. He is a staple... Nigel Anderson. Nigel Anderson. He is a staple in British murder, murder shows. Oh, yeah. He's been in lots he's of He's a fantastic actor. But he does have the weird eye. But his eyes are a little unnormal, so we maybe have a nickname for him, which is Lazy Eye. It's not meant as a derogatory name. No, no, it's just a way to identify him. It's our shorthand. But you, you have to say, though, it, it, I, I really believe that the UK has a broader set of standards of what actors can look like. They appreciate people who don't look like models and they have roles for them. In the US, I don't think he would be an actor on no, TV. No, I don't think so. And I, unfortunately no but in the uk because they only have like 20 actors yes obviously because they're in everything all the time johnny vegas is not going to be an actor in the united states no so the andersons do have income (laughs) they do they run the pub they don't own the pub but they run the pub the brewery owns the pub that's how it works yes yeah alan radarst and alfreda popping up from bushes and then we see the first appearance of the red herring of the episode, which is Valancourt. Who we think at this point in time is a diamond geezer, right? He seems to be a heavy. Yeah, Harry Valancourt. And I think largely because of his accent. Yes. He's yeah. a good actor. Oh, he's a great actor. He's good in this role. Yeah. But when he comes back for the second time and... Alfreda sees him through the window at the front door of Alan's house. And she uses gets her walkie-talkie. She gets on her walkie-talkie. So, I love that Bunny and, and Alfreda have walkie-talkies. And Bunny is in his room smoking up. Oh, yeah. Him He's and out in the Snoop shed. are out there <laughs> smoking and token with his monocle in. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't think I've ever seen anybody... Rolling a joint while wearing a monocle. And she says, that's not Barnaby. Barnaby's delicious. You know, he, he says, oh, is it, uh, is it the cops? Is it the fat one again? And she says, no, it's not Barnaby. And he's not fat. He's delicious. <laughs> I agree with Alfreda. And then we get this weird scene at the pub, just when you think Gray can't be hitting on more middle-aged women but, in town. Before that, really quickly, when the Diamond Geezer arrives, Brenda Buckley gets out of her car. And I, I watched this four or five times. Oh, yeah, because she's getting out of her car she the get, same time he's getting out of his. She gets out of her car and touches... Which is what, like a little Volkswagen Rabbit or something? something? A tiny car. She touches it and says, Hello, princess. <laughs> 
And then just walks around the car. What does that mean? It means she has a name for her car. Princess. We have every evidence to see that she's kind of stunted in she's, her development. She's definitely stunted. She still lives in her little girl bedroom. She's still got her pink plastic glasses, her 4-H ribbons or whatever yes, the UK equivalent whatever. is. And she calls her little jalopy princess. So back at the pub, Gray Patterson's hitting on anything that is a woman mm. and asks if Sarah thinks that maybe Alan did something to Simone. Yeah. Maybe he hit her too hard. Like there's a level of hitting your wife that's not hard. That's not too hard. So then there is the bizarre situation of Alan Hollingworth's backyard at night. The shepherd's pie incident. So he digs up the money that he's embezzled from the mill. While doing it, Brenda goes past Princess and brings him a shepherd's pie. Because Simone is away. At her mother's. Here's another example of the weird timing in this episode. As far as we know, she hasn't been gone 24 hours. And Brenda is already bringing him meals as if he's been alone in the house for eons. Eons. He then doesn't take the shepherd's pie into the house. He sets it on the ground and runs back to the hole he's digging to get the money. Okay. I got a question about the shepherd's pie. Okay. Later on, when Barnaby and Troy are there and they dig it up and reveal that it's not Simone's body folded in quarters and buried. It is a shepherd's pie. It's a shepherd's pie in a covered dish. They open the dish. Which is nice crockery. Do you think Sarah made that? (laughs) I didn't make that. Sarah, the potter on the show, didn't make that. She's making mugs for Joyce, who ordered six. Six. He takes the cover off the shepherd's pie. And half of it's gone. Sort of. Like part of it. It's like whipped around. It's like part somebody dug into it and ate some of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. But then Alan says he doesn't like shepherd's pie. Because potatoes and meat. What's there not to like? Who doesn't like potatoes and meat? I don't know. Even if you don't like potatoes, like my mother, you still would eat the meat. Yeah. I mean, there's something there to like. But so if he doesn't like it. Maybe he, turned, maybe he turned his nose up at it because she brought him a half-eaten shepherd's pie. No, I think she made a special shepherd's pie just for him. And I think he ate it and then wanted to appear like he was not involved to Barnaby. But that means he set it down in the yard. Okay, he sets it down money, in the yard, dug it up in the money, comes and back gets it, to gets the shepherd takes pie. Takes it in the house. Takes it in the house, eats some of it. Stirs it up and then takes it back takes outside. Takes it back outside. And buries it in the hole. You know, Bunny's in the back going, Whoa! <laughs> Who knows what Bunny sees? He's high as a kite. He's not a good witness. His monocle's going to fall out. <laughs> so because of all this nighttime shenanigans, Alfreda and Bunny call the cops. Yes. They call them and ask them to come over and then act surprised when they show up while they're doing the Daily Bake. Which is the way they distribute their illegal cannabis sativa. Bunny has a bike with a basket on the front. They bake those hash brownies every day. And, and sell then them. Bunny delivers them. Everyone in this town is high. I think all of the people involved in this would be a lot better off if they were eating those brownies. Maybe Nigel's eyes would be fully open if he didn't eat so many of the brownies. Now, now, now. I mean, it, this, but this is a classic scene with Barnaby. It's the... It, we never see him drunk, really. He doesn't really have any nope. vices. Nope. He's he's a friendly guy. He's an easygoing guy, but he's not a silly guy until he eats 
The bunny cakes. Oh, and boy, does he love the bunny cakes. And they must be growing some high-end hash because in 10 minutes, he's feeling the effects. 10 minutes. Before he can finish the second bunny cake, he's like, I just love being around you. You make me so happy. (laughs) Smiling, giggling. Those are some powerful bunny cakes. The first time I saw it, it reminded me of the one time I saw my dad drunk. He was like out in his shop in the yard. And my mom was like, you guys got to go outside and talk to your dad. And we're like, why? She's like, just go out and talk to him. And my dad is not a drinker, right? No. But he was good, buzzy, happy from someplace he'd been with the guys. And they dropped him off. And we went out there and he was laughing. Everything was so funny. (laughs) And Barnaby is the same way. He can't even talk to Alan. Oh my gosh. He's just giggling. And just basically says, Troy. Dig a hole. Dig a hole. Yeah. (laughs) He goes, do we have your permission to dig a hole? And Alan goes, no. And they go, thank Thank you. you. Yeah. The first time they kind of disregard the law or the rules in this episode they'll do it several more times then we we find out So the whole shepherd's pie thing comes out yeah troy goes upstairs and actually does some more good policing the old where is your bathroom i need to wash my hands subterfuge yes right he finds that simone's clothes are are in the closet but her jewelry is he comes in like a doctor yeah and wipes his dirty hands on a clean towel instead of actually washing them I, i gotta say I don't think Simone is much of a house person. Well, Alan's certainly not a housekeeper. No, he's just rat arsed. Yeah. And later, everybody meets up at the pub. Well, they, the, so the best Barnaby High scene is when he meets with George and Troy. And he's walking George the tells wall. him about the meeting and he's skipping along the wall. Yeah. And George is just like, what is going on? But doesn't say anything. Doesn't say. Because that's apparently what George does. He doesn't say anything. So off to the pub. Basically, there's a mob going to happen. We've got our whole cast of characters there. Bunny is slightly confused, mostly because he is high as a kite. Yes. Barnaby seems to be coming down. And in that conversation, we find out that Alan is bankrupt because Doreen Anderson has called the lawyer who has referred her to the receivers. And somebody mentions $90,000. $90,000. So it is implied that this group of people has invested $90,000. Or that's the total sum that's been invested that they know of in the mill project. Yes. So we know Alan has pocketed at least $90,000 or something close to it, right? But then Barnaby reveals to them that maybe they shouldn't go lynch Alan because he thinks his wife has been kidnapped. And that they're all suspects. Yeah. And they all had a motive to do that in order to get ransom money from Alan to recoup their cash. So Reg Buckley's wife says, let's go talk to Reg, mm-hmm. which is really code for, I'm going to tell you everything awful that Reg has done. Let me throw my husband under the bus. Ba-bum, ba-bum. In my living room full of stuffed birds. Yeah, so Reg likes birds. In case you didn't notice the birds in the living room and the birds upstairs and Troy reading a bird book and there are other bird books on the book, the birds, birds. Birds. But but Reg and Felicity also have something else interesting. They have a CD player. A five, or is it six? I would say it's probably five. Five disc CD player. Who spends 3,000 pounds on that CD player? 
but it plays five discs. I don't care. It's including Oasis, Oasis, and Doctor Feelgood. Doctor Feelgood uh, with the album Down at the Doctors, mm. which is, as far as I can tell, like a seventies psychedelic rock band. Though when Barnaby plays it, it sounds like classical music. But I love that there's Oasis in the CD player. <laughs> They, uh, all, we tried to see what all the CDs were, but we could not. So All I know is that when I saw Dr. Feelgood, I immediately thought of... Yeah, but I is know... Is it Motley Crue or Mo- Poison? Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood yeah. album has that teal pattern, teal background with the the Dr. Feelgood emblem, which is the medical emblem wet with skulls instead of snakes. This is the kind of nerd Mark is. He didn't have to look that up. And it's not that he's a big Motley Crue fan. If it's musical, he remembers it like some kind of savant. The plan is hatched that Troy will sit in the Buckley's house. Yeah, in Ed Reg's bird watch nest desk. And observe what's going on. Okay, so I've got a note about going to Felicity and and Reg's house that just says bundle of fun. I, I don't get that. I think Barnaby says, well, gosh, how could she... Not love him. He's a bundle of fun. I think so. I think so. And also, Barnaby's like, get in the car. We'll we'll take you. Now, Barnaby is still high at this point. You think so? He's, I think he's, he's coming down, but it's definitely... Oh, and then we forgot, in the pub, he sings the hymn that he later suggests that they use for their renewing of vows. Yeah. All ships out at sea or something, something. like that. Some, yeah. It's... Some crazy old Anglican hymn. So so they put Troy in Reg's bird-watching bedroom desk nook thing, but Alan is off to pay the ransom for Simone. Sarah, we're 40 minutes into this show. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the show? Midsummer Murder. What have we not had in this show yet? Murder. Okay. <laughs> but... A murder is coming. Yes. Right? So Troy tries to get off after them. No, but but Brenda writes him a note. Yep. She writes him a little love note. She even kisses the envelope. Like she kisses princess. So he can get away. And he blows her a kiss when he's gone. Yeah, he says, thank you. Thank you. And then he ditches the suitcase of money in a rug shop, a carpet booth at Finley Market. I guess Finchmere Market. Finchmere. Now, where this market is, we have no idea. Finchmere. I guess. It's where the hell that is. It's near Morton Findle. I guess. It's the big city. But there's no major roads between them because on the way home... Brenda gets... In Princess. Murdered. <laughs> Princess kind of gets murdered, too. Yeah, they both get decapitated by a logging truck. Somebody in a car shunts Brenda's car off the road. I think they were trying to get them to get her to hit a tree. Yeah, I think so, too. But, because she saw who picked up the ransom yes, money. But instead... She hits the most opportunistic placed log truck. That's just abandoned. There's no semi attached to it. There's no tractor attached to it. And then Vince gets out of the car and looks and then goes back to yep, the car. She's dead. Guess who did it? Vince. Vince. But we don't know that's Vince that yet. No. Right. Simone's ex-boyfriend. But we do find out that two things. 
one, this is the first stunt driving we've seen in Midsummer because there's definitely a stunt driver in a horrible permed blonde wig Absolutely. driving princess. With the glasses. Yeehaw, over the hill. Yep. But then we find out that Brenda works at the Midsummer Building Society too. Yep. So she may have had a hand in the plans for the mill and she's been sending herself flowers signed she, from Alan. She tries to make a, a phone call to her father. And she, she, the first thing she says is, no, everything's okay. Everything is not okay. No, no some jackass is riding my ass, honking at me. His, her mother calls her a very strange girl. She is. But remember, women don't kill their daughters. They have not seen Midsummer. She's Reg's daughter, not really Felicity's daughter. That's how she feels like, about it. Why her. don't they just make Felicity a stepmom? Like, that single change would make all that understandable. Maybe. Yeah, but I think the idea is just Brenda's so weird, even her own mother's not real crazy about her. Then they go over to see Alan. And they and, find the pictures. The Polaroids. And Barnaby is rough on him. Actually, like, grabs him, pulls him down into a chair. Forces him to look at these pictures. Because now they've got the search warrant. And they're like, we couldn't send the, We couldn't show you these pictures. Her face looks... Like a butcher's block. Yeah. In the next scene, they show the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they didn't show us Brenda's body. I guess. So we can't evaluate Brenda's bad um, corpse acting. Okay, Brenda, the actress, is nowhere near that scene. Yeah, because we don't get to see her. No. Though, if she could pretend to be a dead body without a head, that would be impressive corpse acting. I'd give her points for that. Indeed it would. Certainly better than Alan's dead body acting later. Yeah. So then we've got the barbecue at Gray's where everybody's sort of conspiring and Troy takes up the offer of extra meat if there's any gone begging. And while everybody's in Gray's garden contriving whatever they're contriving, Barnaby and Troy break into Sarah's house. Because you can do that as a cop. Yeah. Shouldn't we have a warrant? Yes, we should. You go first. In Sarah's... So they go into one room in Sarah's house. The box room over and over again. Over... It's it's Keystone Cops. Right. <laughs> now, okay, this is a potter who could not afford to give to the mill project. Nope. She lives in a three-story Tudor house in England. Which she bought because she knew Simone and followed Simone. How did she afford to this village? How, what is she selling her pottery for? I don't know, but it may be it must be some good pottery. So they go upstairs and they find the corner of lesbianism. Yes. There is a picture that has to be 24 by 36. It's a poster. Inches. Yeah. Where was that printed? <laughs> Not a home printer at this age. No. And Simone is in a negligee outfit and Sarah is at her knees. Yeah. And there are other pictures of Simone. Who, who took that picture? Well, you can have a timer on a camera, on a tripod. I, I guess. I guess she has a good camera. Or Vince might have taken them. Vince may have taken them. For all we know. We could have. Vince but, is Simone's ex-boyfriend. But who processed those pictures? Well, if she's a photographer um, and a potter, we never saw her kiln or anything. No. So maybe she also has a darkroom. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> I also doubt it. I don't it. think she went down to the local chemists and got them printed either yeah troy once again shows his grasp of the english language yeah he calls him a couple of old dykes which is just mean he's just so mean i realize they're murderers they don't know that yet i know but it's still mean to call them that 
But Barnaby knows better. Barnaby knows better. They go to see Harry Velicourt, the red herring. He's an old cop. He's also Gray's dad. And he has an outstanding gnome collection. And he is the anti-Barnaby. He is. He is. He says, I'm divorced. I drink too much. I'm overweight. I eat too much. I smoke too much. Uh, my kids don't talk to me. And yes, I'm a copper. Yes, I'm a copper. And or I was a copper. Barnaby yeah. is none of those things. No. He is the anti-Barnaby. Yeah. They're the yin to each other's yang. But and he they does also have just, a better gnome collection. They also just park in the middle of the street. They do. But he lives kind of in like a trailer park sort of subdivision-y thing. The good thing about Velikot is he figures everything out. He's like, I bet you have pictures of Simone in beaten up. Yeah. And you want to go into my caravan to have a look and see if it was in there. Go ahead. Of course you do. He is he is the innocent man. Yeah, he is. He's 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 portrayed like this ominous threat, but yeah, he's not. And then um next <laughs> from Midsummer, we have Barnaby TV. Yeah, Barnaby's on TV. And he talks about the Sab 900. Mm-hmm. which should be a Saab 9000. Right. And then they show a picture of the sketch. It's a photo fit of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if Vince realizes he could have framed Arnold for this. Yeah, because Vince is this tall, scrawny, scarecrow, sunken-eyed looking dude. And Arnold is not. Not. He's the opposite of that. But it's it's kind of fun to see Barnaby talking to a news anchor, asking for the public to uh, help them identify this car. And then there's this awesome little moment. Again, if you remember, we talked about this last time, where in the books, Troy is married to a woman named Maureen, who constantly accuses him of having a thing for Cully. And in this episode, and in the last episode of the show, we definitely get these little hints that Troy does think that Cully's cute. Well, Cully comes over to Alfreda's and he's like, if you weren't the governor's daughter. Exactly. He says that when he sees her going in the house. Oh, oh I didn't hear it that way. I heard it like, oh, if you weren't the governor's daughter. But Troy's a romantic. I'm going to say Of course, Troy. you know, Alfreda thinks they're brother and sister. So. Mm. They don't, that was the first episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've already done the incestuous bunking. Alan gets offed. Yeah. It might be lazy eye. It might be somebody else. Speaking of eyes, he's a good actor, but he's not a good corpse actor. Troy opens up one of Alan's eyes and his other eye opens. It tries not to, but... Tries really hard not to. It flutters. It flutters. He's not (laughs) rat-arsed. He's dead. Yes. And they find out that he's been drugged with haloperidol, which George, who is a doctor, says is a sleeping pill. But that's not what haloperidol is. It's actually an antipsychotic that's used for schizophrenics and for people with Tourette's syndrome, which is a completely different situation and makes you wonder where the killers got it. A lot of people may have some sleeping medication, but if Sarah has secret Tourette's, there's all kinds of things we missed out on. Yes. The dog pulls the Andersons around. They get accused of being the murderers. They're not. From pompous ass to petty thief, Barnaby says, God, Barnaby hates Nigel Anderson so much. You never see him really hate anybody. Because he's skimming from the till. He's stealing from the brewery. No, it's because he's so pompous. Yes. He hates him before he knows that he's taking money from the brewery. They really don't like each other. No. (laughs) 
So they find Vince's car and they find Vince. And Troy punches him. So Vince does a runner. Yeah, because, you know, that's what you do. When the police come in your house, just run. Through the house. For the rest of your life, apparently. Through the house. Troy gives him a bump. He punches him in the gut. Punches him in the gut. And Barnaby has no patience for Vince. None. Absolutely none. But it's Joyce's birthday coming up. Yeah. So they're going to go see Cully with Elfrida and Bunny and Cully Mm. to Cully's show. Now, Cully is at least smart enough to figure out that they're giant pot smokers. Yeah. And she lets it go. She lets it go. Clearly, Cully may have imbibed in some substances at Cambridge. Well, she did get sent down. Yes. Or she stepped down or she walked away or whatever. She quit. But when Barnaby goes to Sarah's house alone, because Troy is so thoroughly male, he's been sent off to buy, what is it, Ferrigio? Grigio Fablona something? Expensive perfume. Parfum. Italian perfume. And Chapagne. For um for Joyce, he goes over to see Sarah and he goes to get the milk out of the fridge and he sees a chicken leg. Dun 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 The lesbian vegetarian does not eat chicken. <laughs> Which we've learned at Gray's Barbecue. So that's our first big clue that uh things are not what they seem. Then we see this awful play. Now I have to say, both Mark and I both both each does, of us does anyone us, know what this play is because we have looked we did a thorough search of the internet i shall write a novel named hollow moonlight how life dashes our hopes and dreams oh it's just horrid horrid and cully's wig looks she, like a romulan she's wig. like mrs fisher mrs fisher with romulan bangs <laughs> Well, Mrs. Fisher is a Romulan. No, Franny Fisher's wonderful. Franny Fisher is wonderful. If you haven't watched the Miss Fisher mysteries, you should. you should. They're very good. But we find out that Simone was good at makeup because Alfreda cries because she's embarrassed. She thought the champagne was for her, but it's Gregory not. Gregory Fellini. Ah, thank you. That's the that's Gray's deodorant. Yes. And Joyce's parfum. Parfum. Mm-hmm. Next, Troy naked. Yeah, Troy nipples. Woo, woo, woo. Troy is in bed. <laughs> so Why does we watch, call we, him in the middle of the <laughs> night? Middle of the night. We watch these episodes and rewatch certain things over again. Like pause and, it, pause it, rewind. We're, we're in the living room <laughs> with all of the children watching with us. And first of all, I didn't notice that Troy has an X Files poster. Yeah, which, right above his bed. Which I am a huge X Files fan. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even notice it. Then you were too busy looking at his nipples, weren't then, you? Well, no. I was trying to figure out what videotapes he had behind the bed. He but, has the bill for sure. Yes, but then the, he has the two, show that we that has everybody in it that we never get to see. Right, and but then he has two VHS tapes that have handwritten labels on them. That no matter how much we paused it, zoomed it, turned our heads, got up to the TV. We couldn't read. We looked. We looked. So if anybody else is able to identify what those two VHS tapes are, one says I-L-L-I-T. That's all we could read. It should be. It should be. If they were smart, they should be old episodes of... Dixon of the Green or something. Not Dixon of the Green, the show that Barnaby's in first. Oh. Old episodes of... (laughs) What is the name of that show that Barnaby is in? Bergerac. Bergerac. 
where he's all oh he's so hunky in that show he's he's very hunky but he has a tiny gun it is magnum pi of england bergerac no magnum pi is the american version of bergerac okay i will find that x-files poster and i will put it in the show notes yeah so he's got an x-files poster he still sleeps in a twin bed with sheets and blankets that look like they came from his mom and dad's house it's surprising that maureen lets him have that x-files poster in the bedroom (laughs) then they go in the middle middle of the night night, they they go to see felicity go to see felicity and we find out that Nigel, or I'm sorry, that Reg is away because he's upset because Brenda's died, right? So he goes to see his brother. So Felicity's home alone, or is she? No, Gray Patterson's there. Mm-hmm. Gray bonking. God. So not only is his highlighted, overgelled hair just, ugh, he's not that attractive. He's stupid. And can't he find a woman his own age? Oh, and at Velocourse, we found out that that's his dad. Yeah. So Gray Patterson's not his name. No. And we don't know how he gets his money. No. He certainly didn't get it from dear old dad. But he's copper. afraid to sleep with women his own age. That's for sure. So just to, he sleeps with Mrs. Anderson. He sleeps with Felicity. Mm-hmm. And it's strongly implied that he sleeps with Simone. Yeah. And he would like to sleep with Sarah, but she's not into dudes. No, this is a moment of great taste from Sarah. Yeah. So they go to see her in the middle of the night. She's offended or whatever. She went shopping, but she didn't buy anything. Blah, 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 blah. And then Troy and uh, Barnaby go home now that it's morning. Morning, because... And a red van pulls up in front of Barnaby's house and out rose Simone. How do they know where Barnaby lives? That's kind of creepy. But her coat looks like it's made from trash bags. It is pleather. It is such a tacky coat. Joyce makes her a cup of sweet tea with extra sugar in it. And at this point in time, I think Barnaby has figured this out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's figured it all out now. So they say to Simone, we're going to go to the station. And while we're at the station, we'll go get Sarah. Yeah. And they drive off. And she doesn't have anybody else. Troy sneaks in. Again. Again. To Sarah's house. And he goes in the little room again. For no reason. Walks out of the little room. Goes back upstairs to the lesbian love corner. Digs through Sarah's underwear drawer. Yeah. Her underwear is remarkably boring. It was kind of beige-ish. The two pairs we see. Yeah. But then it, he finds the key. Finds the key. To Alan's house. But he, he wishes he could find, oh my, where could I find Simone was being kept? Oh, where could I, oh, let me lean against the wall. Oh, there it is. He fell through the wall. There's a secret door. And he finds the deck chair that was in the Polaroid. Dun, dun, dun. Because that's where you keep a deck chair, is in your attic. They, yes. They head back to the station. And Barnaby is listening to the the giant shovelfuls of bullcrap that Simone and Sarah are giving him. There was a man and a woman, and they he wore ski like masks. He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and they wore ski masks, and I think his name was Stephen or Steph. And when she said it, he hit her, and then he took the rest out on me, and that's why my bruises and then wipe why off did with he a hit tissue. You again for the pictures. I guess. Barnaby doesn't roll his eyes, but he so wants to. Because <laughs> he knows everything she's saying is absolute bull. Because she's a chicken eater. Doomed by chicken. Doomed by chicken <laughs> leg. 
But Sarah is so in love. She has the love for Simone. Yep. And so she won't give Simone up. And Vince, I got to say, Vince is a pretty good criminal. Yeah. He doesn't give anything up. Nothing. Nothing at all. Like, my car was stolen. You can't prove it wasn't. You can't put me there. Yep. You got nothing on me, copper. Yep. You got nothing on me, copper. So in the first of many endings, we find out that Sarah is going to go up the river. Yep. To Orange is the New Black Prison. Because her fingerprint is on the whiskey bottle at Allen's. So she killed Allen. Yeah, for sure. And And kind of admits it. Yeah. And Simone is going to walk free because she says Alan deserved it because he beat Simone. Which was an absolute lie. Alan did nothing wrong in this episode, except for embezzling $300,000. And being a loser. Well, he's a big loser. And rat arsed. Rat arsed. But But Simone plays Sarah like a fiddle. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) She does whisper, thank you. Thank you for going to prison on my behalf while I move to Greece with my boyfriend to get married. With our other companion. And shack up with another lady. Barnaby goes home. Well, no, first of all, Barnaby's in the office and he is super pissed. He says, shut up, Troy. Shut up, Troy. <laughs> he answers the phone. What? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. He's so, Barnaby is super pissed. He's so frustrated because he can't get anybody but Sarah. And he knows Sarah's not the most guilty one of all of them. No. Simone is who he's after. Yeah, he'd like to get Simone and Vince, but then he goes home. So, so, so we have the ending in the interrogation room. We right. have the ending in the office. Now we're on to our third ending in Barnaby's house, where he's whinging about how he can't arrest anybody. I can't arrest everybody. He's like, well, maybe I could arrest Reg. And Cully's like, what? Losing his daughter isn't punishment enough for embezzling from tesco i guess kath is like oh well whatever kath's fine with it now she's over it yep so he can't get anybody and the the pub owners what does he say about them oh that being pompous isn't a crime yes being pompous is. it should be (laughs) so end no. no. Three months later. Fourth ending now. Troy's at the big house with the little door. The the big house with the little door and the ladies. And the big box of candy that barely fits through the little door. That looks like the Millennium Falcon. That should have a file in it or something. Something. If you're going to take a box of candy that big to prison. But I, I think what they're showing is that Troy has matured enough. To take her candy? To, to, to go and talk to her. Yeah, I guess. Because he does it without Barnaby knowing. He's not afraid of the gay lady anymore? I guess he's not afraid of the gay. Okay. He won't get on him like in the bookshop. Okay. She She's not going to give anything up. He says, call us if you change your mind. And he shows her the newspaper clipping of Simone and Vince getting married and the lady who lives with the, the two of them. And clearly Sarah is going to think about this. And then... Another ending. Yeah. Where Barnaby is uh, dictating a letter that a woman is typing for him. The woman with the great big typewriter who has a desk next to theirs. Yes. She's taking dictation from him, which I've never seen them do either. We missed an ending. What ending did we miss? We missed the the bunny and Elfria. Elfrida episode. That's right. With the weed killer. Okay. We'll get back to that. Yeah. So the phone rings and... Troy's like, it's Sarah Lawton. And Barnaby's like, who? Whatever. Three months goes by. I have no idea who these people are. 
Sarah Lawton. And he's so, like, oh. So the idea is that Sarah gives up, gives up Simone. Yeah, he's going to get his collars after all. The, the ending that we missed was Bunny and Elfrida being caught by Barnaby because back at the Barnaby's house. Cully has admitted that they're pot smokers. Which he apparently didn't pick up on. Then he remembers. There's this little flashback montage <laughs> of him eating the bunny brownies and then walking on the wall singing. And he's like, oh, and all the pieces come together. And he says that when he goes to their house, he says he has been asked to make the rounds of all the homes that have greenhouses. Yes. Which would be a gazillion in midsummer. Yes. Half of them probably have bodies in them. Yes. Because, you know, people grow the marijuana between the tomato plants. Cannabis sativa. sativa. But Bunny's, Bunny's fumigating the greenhouse for green fly. So, so he can't go out there. Yeah, but he, he might come back later. And Elfrida says, if you were 40 years younger. <laughs> and Barnaby says, if you were 40 years younger. I'd, I'd arrest you. I'd arrest you for selling cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the episode so of Faithful be- Unto Death. So we've got a couple of of big questions here. What does Gray Patterson do other than sleep with older women? We've talked about that. I've got a different question. Yes. When Barnaby is interrogating Sarah and Simone, it's revealed that they took Ellen for 300,000 pounds. Okay, 300,000 pounds. Okay, split three ways. That's 100,000 each. Right. Yes. Yes. Though... As far as we know, the investment in the mill was only 90 grand. 90,000 pounds is not 300,000 pounds. No, there's a big difference. Where did they get that number? And where did Alan get the rest of that money? Like, was Simone's jewelry the crown jewels? I, I don't know. That he sold? And remember, he still got a box of money in the toilet cistern. It was empty. But he took the money out of it to give... No, I think Simone... I think when... Sarah killed him. She took the money out of the cistern. Because mm. I bet you Shimon, 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 Shimoggle. I bet you Simone told her where it was. Okay, but he goes and gets it out of the toilet to give to who? Oh, to give to Nigel. To give to Nigel. So he has enough in there to give Nigel 1,500 pounds. Yes. But that's not all of it. So Simone must have taken the rest of it. By the way, Nigel and his wife... Come out pretty well here because they get the fifteen hundred pounds back. But they invested two thousand. Yeah, but they can. So there's still five hundred in the hole. But they—that's enough to pay the brewery, apparently. Yeah, maybe they cover the other five hundred. So there's that. But my bigger issue, <clears throat> and I think I know the answer. But when there is the neighborhood barbecue at Gray's and Barnaby and Troy show up, there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on among Hands the neighbors. Sign. Yeah, there's a lot of hand signs. It's clear that they had planned to get together to talk about what they were going to do to get their money back. But there's extra chicken. And once you know that Simone... Who do we know likes chicken? Guilt chicken. Once we know that Simone is at Sarah's... Sarah? No, Sarah doesn't eat chicken. It's kind of easy to think that maybe all of those folks know that Simone isn't actually gone. I, I think that that is a definite possibility there because... And they've we, all gotten together. We talked about this and Gray shows some actual concern that Sarah, when Sarah tells him that Alan knocks around Simone. But that's long before that scene. And it could be that he doesn't know about the plan yet. Then, and Sarah could completely tell him. 
Yeah. That that's the plan. Yeah. Actually, Simone's hiding in my attic and we're going to get ransom money from Alan so, so everybody can get their money back. we're all going to work on it together. Yeah. Now, they may not know that they've taken him for 300 grand instead of just 90 to get but, their money but back. But they're, they're going to try to get their money back. Yeah. The Andersons, Felicity and Reg, they may all be in on it. The other but pro- then when Alan's when Alan come, turns up dead, they don't know anything. They're out of it. The thing that I'm problematic with this again for me is that Simone must be playing the long game because she moves to Morton Fendel five years ago and gets with Alan, marries him. Yeah. The Mill Project doesn't seem to be a long term project. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Now, I'm not sure of the chronology there because Sarah lived above Simone and Vince. Yep. But when Felicity tells Barnaby and Troy who Vince is, that he's Simone's old boyfriend, they say, but wasn't she married to Alan? And Felicity kind of rolls her eyes like, well, that's Simone. She may have been married to Alan all that time. So what made her go bad? Because she's evil, right? Well, Alan is kind of a disappointment, I think. She's a manipulator. Yeah. And what, like, how long ago did this plan go back? I mean, she's bisexual, and she and Sarah had a relationship before they moved to Morton Fendel. Yep. And Sarah followed her there. And I got to think, you know, I like Sarah. And conveniently bought a house next door to them. I, I like Sarah. She's a very nice person when she's not killing Alan. <laughs> And she's caring and she's really played as a a sympathetic character. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't she be like, oh, Simone, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't know if Simone was in on her killing Alan. Oh, I totally think she she wound him up. I think she wound Sarah up, but I don't think she said, here, use these pills. Oh, I do. You do? Yeah. I, I have no love for Simone. Oh, I don't either. But I also don't don't know how much directive Simone provided to Sarah. I think she's going to tell Barnaby that Sarah uh, that Simone told her to do it. She definitely knows that Simone and Vince were in the car that chased Brenda off the road. Yes. She she's a dupe. Simone's taken complete advantage of her. So Simone is it and she the 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 problem I have with her motive is we're not really given a motive other than Simone's greedy. Well, we also don't even have a motive for why Alan decides to embezzle the money in, from the mill project instead of just building the mill. Yeah, we don't, we don't, bad project manager. We have nothing for that. And then going back to what I said before, the lesbian subplot seems tacked on here. It's just an excuse for, for Sarah to be loyal to Simone. It is. They could have easily just have been sisters. Secret sisters. Why couldn't so, they be sisters? Because it wouldn't be Torrid. And Troy couldn't be weirded out by it. And if you have pictures of that. Of you and your sister, sister like that? Sister like that. That's, 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 again, the first episode. That's Badger's Drift that's territory. incestuous bonking Badger's <laughs> Drift territory. You know, I have one solution that explains all of this. Yes. I know what drove all these people to be as nasty and wrong as they are. And what is that? Brenda's hair. Brenda's hair. <laughs> Brenda's hair would make anybody crazy. We were all high on bunny cakes, and then we saw Brenda's hair. We all just lost it. Lost it. (laughs) It's a fun episode. There's lots of little things, including Troy's nipples, to enjoy. And Roger Allum, who we love. Yeah. 
And since he's the only corpse we see, he's... The best corpse acting, even though his eyes open. He's the corpse of the week. Corpse of the week. Because he's the only corpse. So he gets to win the award this week, even though the one eye twitches. And we don't have an aptly named pub. We have a regularly named yeah, pub. Yeah, the Queen's Head just isn't very interesting. Um, but we know we could actually go there in Marlowe. Little Marlowe. Yeah. But forever in our house, they will be dogs of the hot variety. Dogs of the hot variety. <laughs> a veggie burger. It really, it's an episode of food. Dogs of the hot variety and 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 shepherd's pie of shepherd's doom pie of and doom and I've the chicken a, leg. I've got a coconut and you don't. It's, it's lots of food in this episode. <laughs> Our I, next episode will be faithful unto death, which is no, that's this one. No, yes, yes. Our next one is what? What is the name of the next it's episode? It's the one with the cult. It is the one with the cult. The next episode is named Death in Disguise. So between now and the next episode, you have just enough time to craft your very own pyramid hat yes. to wear while you listen. While you're listening, <laughs> please craft a pyramid hat. We'll be wearing them. Absolutely. <laughs> and so matching jumpers. If you like what you hear, please like and review us on any of the podcast things that we're on because we're on all of them we're on all of them hopefully we're on itunes soon i sent them a nastygram today and said why are we not on itunes and they said it takes five days and i said it's been five days and i haven't heard back maybe they count days like they do in midsummer maybe who knows what day who it knows is? what day it is and leave us a comment do you think that the, all the neighbors were in on the kidnapping of simone or was it just simone and sarah who contrived that plan? And and unlike other episodes, do not send us any bunny cake rep- recipes. Yeah. <laughs> did did you have hair like Brenda back in the nineties? Oh, if you sorry. did, send us a I'm picture. Really sorry. Maybe maybe you had pink plastic glasses. Maybe you went as Brenda for Halloween. Is Oasis and Doctor Feelgood in your CD player? Hey, we'd love to know what you think about the episode of the show and the episode of this show. Our Twitter handle is at Midsummer Maniacs. The website is MidsummerManiacs.com. And we're available on all the podcast platforms that you can give us. <laughs> Where you might listen to your podcast. Yes, including YouTubes. Where you might have found the very podcast you're, you're listening, listening to. to. Hey! So, until next time, bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. to the Virgin Mary. Okay, it's not a Benedictine coven. Covent. Convent. Convent. A Benedictine convent. They're not witches. Let's start. <laughs> <laughs>